that he is the king of kings, isn't he? Come on, he's the great I am. He is the Lord of lords. How many of you know you're in the right place at the right time today? Man, I just know, I know that because I can feel the presence of the Lord here today. Come on, I, I just, uh, I'm so thankful that you're here. Welcome to Easter at church and I want to welcome everybody online as well because um, there's so many people watching online with us today as well. Wherever you're watching from, the Cedar Elm campus would love to just say a big hello. So come on, church, can we welcome everybody who's online with us as well? Yeah. I love, I, I just love worshiping. I, I love the, the passion and the energy because I just feel like if Jesus gave his life for us, the least we could do is just give some worship back to him and, and just give it all we've got. So... Wow, I'm glad you're here today, and uh, I thought we'd start off with something funny, because it's, uh, I, I think church should be enjoyed, not endured, come on, it, it ought, you, you ought to like coming to church, when you, when you leave, you ought to be like, man, I can't wait to get back to that place, all right? So I thought we'd start with something funny, and one of the things I find funny is church signs. I don't know if any of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church signs that, you know, like, like the churches put up, and the, the little letter boards, and... And a lot of times, they, ha they make no sense whatsoever to people outside of the church. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, this makes no sense. And, and we, sometimes those church signs are corny, and they're silly, but a lot of times they're funny. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. They're funny. And so I thought I would, I would share some of the top 10 church signs that I came across this week, and they're supposed to be funny, so I need y'all to laugh, all right? Just, if you don't laugh for any other reason, just make me feel better, all right? So here we go. This, you, might, you might recognize the tune of this one. All about that grace, about that grace, no devil. <laughs> like I said, corny, right? It's just, it, but it's funny. It's funny stuff. I think we ought to be able to laugh at ourselves as the church. How about this one? Jesus said, I'll be back way before Arnold did. Okay? So the Terminator was not the first one to say, I'll be back. All right? Um... This, I love this next one. Don't let the worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> Sometimes you just need punctuation in there. You just need to separate it a little bit. Let the church help kill you. No, no, that's not what the church... Uh, um, too hot to keep changing this sign. Sin bad, Jesus good. Details inside. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen this one in Wichita Falls before. Um, how about this one? Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> you think you've got a bad, you just come over here. You hear what we've got to deal with, right? Um, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> mm, oh, oh, snap. I mean, they just, we started with grace and we're going to judgment over here. Uh, how about, how about this one? Uh, this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. You ever felt that way before? Like, man, yeah. Um, bring your sin to the altar and drop it like it's hot. And uh, these next two are, are brilliant. Uh, so I, I love this. Lent is coming. Get your ash in church. I'm not sure that's what they meant, but that's the way it comes across, right? Uh, and, then, and then this one, punctuation matters, everybody. Um, best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come and eat Pastor Thomas Ressler. 
No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I, don't, want any, I don't want any of that sausage. I mean, I, I didn't even mean it like that. God, help me. Uh, where, <laughs> where's your pastor? He's in the sausage is what I meant. Okay. All righty. And that's why we have fun in church, right? The top 10 list. The top 10 list. All right. Love it. I love it. So I thought we would start today after the top 10. Just to have, We had a little bit of fun. We laugh a little bit. But I wanted, you know, Easter is about the crucifixion. It's also about the resurrection, isn't it? Because don't you know that there is no resurrection without a crucifixion? If, if the crucifixion was the why, then the resurrection is the how. If the crucifixion is the, 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 the provision for our lives, well, then the resurrection is the power for our lives. And so I want to talk about both of those today, but I really want to focus on the cross a little bit more today. I want to, I want to give you the story of the cross. And I know that in a room this size, there's probably some folks, maybe that you haven't been in church much. Uh, maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've never heard the story of the cross. And so I wanted to just give you the, the, the Ben Murray paraphrased version of the cross, what, what Jesus went through, and then I want to tell you why he went through that, okay? So, so here we go. The story of the cross starts about 2,022 years ago on the Thursday before Good Friday. So Good Friday was just two days ago, and the, the, the Thursday before that was the Passover. The, Jesus was celebrating with his disciples. Now, Good Friday, by the way, Good Friday was only good for us. You, you know that. Like, it's, it wasn't good for Jesus. It was his worst day ever. It's like uh, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for Jesus. So here he is with his disciples on a Thursday night. They're having a Passover dinner, and uh, Jesus has been teaching them. He washes their feet. He teaches them about uh, what it means to be a leader. And then one of his disciples named Judas leaves the dinner early, and he goes to meet up with some religious leaders because he's going to betray Jesus. He made a deal with the religious leaders, I'll turn Jesus in for you if you'll give me 30 pieces of silver. And that's what he did. So Jesus takes his disciples and he goes out to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. It was, I think it was one of his favorite places to go. He would, he would go there and pray. And this particular night is no different. While Judas is betraying him, Jesus and the disciples are praying. And, and Jesus is on his face. He is under so much pressure and stress that he begins to sweat drops of blood. I mean, that's a lot of stress. And so he's crying out to God, which, by the way, is one of the most important things you can do. That if, if you're in a time of stress, if you're in a time of, of pressure, the most important thing for you to do is get on your face before God. Just cry out to God. Pray. Talk to him about it. So here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, crying out to God. And here comes Judas and the religious leaders ready to arrest Jesus. And, and, and they come there and, and um, they arrest Jesus. The, the Bible says that his disciples scatter. They, there's a couple of them that follow from behind. They're, they're staying close, but they scatter. And they take Jesus from the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, into the city. And they run him through six different illegal trials. All of these trials happened at nighttime. That's what makes them illegal. In Jewish culture and in Roman culture, the law forbid them to, have, to try someone at nighttime. And so they run Jesus through 
uh, to Annas, to Caiaphas, to the Sanhedrin, to Pilate, to Herod, and then back to Pilate. Six different illegal trials. And you go, well, Pastor Ben, what kind of, I mean, what, what kind of religious leaders and politicians would, would do something illegal? Well, the, the kind that don't want to do something right. See, they weren't interested in giving Jesus a fair trial. They weren't interested in, 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 in hearing the real story about Jesus. No, no, the Bible says in Matthew that they were trying Jesus so that they could find some false evidence over him so they could put him to death. That's why they, wanted, they, they were doing these illegal trials. They, they weren't interested in the truth. And the, the good news is this, they didn't find any evidence against Jesus. And so finally, the high priest says, well, tell us, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, it is as you have said. And at that, the high priest tears his robe and he says, why do we need any other testimony? He's already admitted, this is blasphemy. Away with him, crucify him. And on the basis that Jesus claimed he was the Son of God, they crucified him. And so he goes from, he goes from that moment, from the, from the high priest to Herod, or to Pilate, rather. Pilate was the last person to try Jesus. Pilate didn't want to put Jesus to death. He wanted to let Jesus go. He knew he was innocent. He knew that, that everything that the religious leaders were doing, was, it, was, it was fake, and, and they, were, they were just upset, but they were causing such a stir and such a ruckus, he was afraid there would be a riot. And if there's a riot, he risks losing his job. And so he decided he's going to, let Jesus be crucified. He sends Jesus to be flogged, to be whipped. And they used what's called a cat of nine tails. And it was a, a handle about a foot and a half long. And it had nine strands of leather that came out of this handle. And inside of the, the strands of leather were rock and stone and wire and glass, sharp objects that were in the, in, in the leather. And, and they would tie the, those objects into the leather with horsehair. And then they would dip the, the, the strands of leather into water. And it would become so heavy that it required two hands to use this whip. They, they gave Jesus 13 lashes across one shoulder. 13 lashes across another shoulder. 13 lashes directly down the middle of his back. You can imagine what you look like after 39 stripes times nine, nine, nine strands of leather. I mean, that's a lot. And, and so he's, he is bloodied, beaten. Forgive me, but I, I imagine he looks kind of like hamburger meat, like, like he's just ground, like torn to pieces. Most people wouldn't even live through the scourging. Jesus lived, and so they take him from the whipping post into the praetorium. Okay, and Inside the praetorium, was a, it's kind of like a locker room for the Roman soldiers inside of the governor's palace. So the Bible says that the whole Roman garrison went into the praetorium and they put a, a purple robe on Jesus and they blindfolded him and they would punch him in the face and say, prophesy, king of the Jews, who hit you? And, and, and they would spit in his face and they plucked his beard out. They slapped him. They, they, they did all of this. They would bow down and, and, and mock worship and fake that they were worshiping. All hell, king of the Jews. Jesus never said a word. He never responded. The Bible says he was like a lamb going to the slaughter. He just kept quiet the whole time. They kept mocking him when they, they built a crown for him, right? Because every king needs a crown. And so they built a crown 
for Jesus, except this crown was made of thorns. The, inch, the, the, the thorns were two inches long. And they pressed this crown onto his head. It caused, caused his, his scalp to bleed, but it also caused intense pressure in his brain. He, he, had, he had bleeding from the inside, internal bleeding. And so here he is wearing this crown, and they're mocking him. And then after they're finished making fun of Jesus, mocking him, they put his clothes back on him, lead him outside, and he carries his cross from the praetorium all the way up Golgotha. When he gets to the hill, the top of Calvary, the top of Golgotha, they lay him down on the cross. And they drive a spike in each hand and a spike through his feet into the cross. Now, in Roman culture, um, the hand was, was considered fingertip to elbow. All right, so if you've ever seen a movie or a culture where they shake the whole arm, have you ever seen something like that where you reach out and they just grab the whole arm? So we think of the hand as them driving the spike through the, through the palm, but if you think about it, there's nothing really inside your hand that's going to hold you on the cross, is there? So a lot of people believe that they drove the spike through his wrist because that was also considered the hand. And so they drove it through the tendons and ligaments and bones and, and that's what kept him on the cross. And so here he is laying on the cross. They've, they've nailed his hands and then they would bend the knees just a little bit. Just enough to where whenever he would need to catch a breath, he, he, wouldn't, be able to, he wouldn't be able to lift his, to, to, lift to do it because his feet are, are nailed to the cross. He wouldn't be able to raise up. So the idea, the purpose of the cross was not for the person to bleed to death. The purpose of the cross was an execution by suffocation. They wanted you to run out of breath. They wanted you to suffer. They wanted you to agonize. And here's Jesus hanging on the cross from 9 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon when he finally breathes his last breath at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it kind of surprised his, uh, the, the, the executioners. All of the people were surprised Jesus was dead because people could live sometimes for days on the cross. But this is Friday, and the Sabbath is coming. And they don't want these bodies hanging on the cross during their Sabbath, especially during a holiday weekend. And so what they would do in order to make the people die faster is they would break their legs, and it would cause them, it would, it would cause them to, to go down like this. They, they, they would have no way to push up to catch their breath, and so they would die quicker that way. So there was two criminals right beside Jesus. They went to those criminals, and they broke those criminals' legs, and those guys died a little bit faster, but Jesus was already dead. They come to Jesus, and he's not breathing, and they're, they're surprised by that, so they take a spear, and they run the spear through his side up towards his heart, and the reason they do that is because when they pull the spear out, if he's still alive, then his, with every heartbeat, blood would pump out of the side, Right? But when they pulled the spear, the Bible says that blood and water flowed out of his side. And you think, well, what, well how did he die then? Did he, did he die from blood loss? Did he die from pain? Did he die from suffocation? And what a lot of people believe, what many medical es experts and scientists believe, is that he died from hypovolemic shock. Now, let me say it this way. He died from a broken heart. He died... Because his heart was broken for all of us. His heart was broken for the people who were crucifying, nailing him to the cross. His heart was broken, wishing that they could understand why he had to go through this. 
And so that's the question I want to answer for you guys today. You say, well, you know, what's the, what's the purpose? Or the question of the, of the day is, why did Jesus have to do that? Why did Jesus have to go through with the cross? Why did he have to endure all of the pain, the punishment, the, the agony? Why? And so what I want to do today, I want to show you the next few minutes, the rest of my time, is I want to show you four reasons why Jesus went to the cross. Four reasons why he suffered, why he agonized, why he endured for the cross. The Bible says that, that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Can I just tell you today that you were the joy that was set before him? You were the reason. But I want to show you four reasons why he endured the cross. And these four reasons happen to be the vision of our church. If you come to City Hope often, you'll hear me talk about this often. And these four things, I, I believe that God has always wanted these four things for every one of you. From the moment you were born, he's always wanted these four things. The reason he sent his son to die on the cross was these four things, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you these four things through a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. And 800 years before Jesus, he prophesied the kind of death that Jesus would die. And in this prophecy, he lists four wounds that Jesus would endure, and then he gives four reasons that Jesus endured those wounds. So that's what I want to do. I want to give you four wounds and four reasons for the cross. Are you with me? Are you following me? And, and what I'm going to do is I'm showing you the life that Jesus died to give you. I'm showing you why he went to the cross. Are you ready? Okay. So in your notes, or in your worship guide, there's some blank notes. If you want to take notes, you can pull out that blank sheet of paper and, and write these down. But um, we're going to read the prophecy first. It's not the whole prophecy. It's one verse of the prophecy. I'll let you read it on your own. But in Isaiah 53, Isaiah prophesied 800 years earlier that Jesus would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So there's four wounds that Isaiah gives, and then he, he also gives us four reasons. So I'm going to give it to you one by one, and I'm going to explain it today, why Jesus went to the cross. Here we go. Number one, the first wound is that he was pierced for our transgressions. That's the first wound. The piercing is the, the nails in his hands and his feet. He was pierced in his hands and his feet for us, for our transgressions. Okay, well, Pastor Ben, what's a transgression? A transgression represents what you have done. Okay? It represents what you have done. Let me, let me I'm, I'm trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf today, okay? Just make it easy for us. So your hands represent things that you have done. Your feet represent places that you have gone. Let me make it really clear. Jesus was pierced in his hands. The nails in his hands was, was to forgive the sins that you have done, the things that you have done, and the places that you have gone. The reason Jesus endured the cross, the reason that he was pierced, was so that you could know God in an intimate and powerful way. That when he was pierced in his hands and his feet, he forgave everything you've ever done and every place that you've ever gone. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Forgiveness. So that you could know God. So that you could have a personal relationship with Him. And I think a lot of times we struggle with what it really means to know God. We struggle with, with what it really means to have a relationship with God. 
We, we get so caught up in do's and don'ts and duties and rules and, and religious things and religion and, and routines and rituals that we forget that Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with God. What, what God wants from us is not, that we, is not that we try harder and we do more and we try to earn our way to, the, to salvation. No, he wants us to just receive it by faith through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to know him in an intimate and personal way. And see, religion is about you doing whatever you have to do to get to God. But relationship is about what God has already done to get to you. You don't have to work to get to God. He's already done the work to get to you. Come on, that's good news right there. So, so, so your sins are forgiven. Jesus went to the cross so that you could know God. Let me, sit, let me help some of you get free today and know that you don't have to get your life right to get to God. You have to get to God so that you can get your life right. You have to get to him so he can, he can help you along the way. Come on. That's good news. So he was, he was pierced in his hands and his feet so that we could know him intimately, have a personal, life-giving relationship with Jesus. All right? So it was to know God. Here's the second wound. And that is that he was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now, if a transgression is what you've done, sin, and iniquity is who you are, it's what you begin to believe about yourself. And iniquity is maybe the secret part of your life that you don't want anybody else to know about. It's the shame, it's the guilt, it's the condemnation, it's the fear. It's, it's all of the things that, man, you, you, you think to yourself, if anybody really knew the, new, the, the real me, they wouldn't want to be my friend. They wouldn't want to be around me. If anybody really knew what was going on in my life, they would call me a hypocrite. Jesus came to crush, <laughs> to crush that part of your life. To, to, Jesus came, the, the word crushed there is, is, is beaten to pieces. His heart was crushed, beaten to pieces, so that your heart wouldn't have to be crushed. He took your iniquities. He was crushed so that you could get past the past. Let me tell you, he was crushed so that you could find freedom from your past. You can find freedom from the things that hold you down. You can find freedom from those things that have kept you from becoming what God wants you to be. He died so that you could find freedom. That's good news. That's good news. He died on the cross so that you could find freedom. A lot of people are walking around forgiven. You Walking around, you know God, but you're still dealing with, with guilt and shame. You're dealing with condemnation. You're dealing with the, the past hurts and the past wounds. You're, you're, you're dealing with, with a victim mentality, whatever it might be. And I'm just telling you today that Jesus didn't die just to forgive your sins. He died to set you free from everything that's holding you back from becoming what he's called you to be. He died for your freedom. He died so that you could find freedom. Not, not just so that you could be forgiven, but that you're pure, you're, he would purify your conscience from sinful deeds so that you can live for him. You can worship him. You can live your life for him. So he died on the cross. He was punished. He was pierced. Hands in his feet so I could know him. You could know him. He was crushed to, to not just forgive our sins, but to, to give us a fresh start, to help us find freedom and get past those things. What things? The things that you don't want to do, but you can't stop doing. I don't have any of that, Pastor Ben. 
Well, here at City Hill, we like to say we all have issues. And if you say you don't have issues, that's your issue. We all have them. We all have issues. So, So Jesus came to set us free from those things. And then number three, the third wound is the punishment that brought us peace. Well, what was, what was that? What was the punishment that brought us peace? It was the crown of thorns on his head. You remember that, the crown of thorns? Where do you struggle with peace most in your life, in your mind? And it's just interesting to me that he puts the crown of thorns. They put the, th- the crown of thorns on his head where his mind is. So listen to me. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that he died to give you peace of mind. I believe that. But I think there's a whole lot more to it than just a peace of mind. I think Jesus died on the cross for, for more than just so you could feel good and, and, and you could get, get over some mental struggles and maybe some mental illnesses. Praise God for that. Praise God that he helps us in that time of need. But I think that the greatest peace you will ever experience in your life is when you know why God created you, the purpose that he has for your life. The greatest peace you will ever have is when you discover your purpose for this planet. When you know that you know that you know that God has a reason that he created me and I wake up every morning living that reason and that purpose out amen there's no there's no greater peace than that I can tell you I'm living out my purpose right now there's no greater peace than walking out your purpose see peace isn't when everything is perfect peace isn't when when, when the boss isn't mad at you. Peace isn't when your marriage is going okay peace isn't when the kids are acting right peace isn't when you don't have any debt Peace, true peace, is when you're settled on the inside. True peace is when everything else around you is going haywire. Everything else around you is falling apart. But you know that you know that you know that you know God, that you have found freedom, and you have discovered why God put you on this earth. And you know it's, it's not just external things that bring you peace. It is a relationship with God that brings you peace. It is a purpose that brings you peace. And I want to tell some of you today, I just, I just feel strongly for some of you in the room today, you need to hear what I'm about to tell you. And some of you have disqualified yourself from living the purpose that God has for you. Some of you believe that God could never love somebody like me. God could never use somebody like me. I'm damaged goods. I've gone too far. I've done too much. Man, I've... I've turned my back on God. He couldn't use somebody like me. My past is too shady. Listen to me, church. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Your past doesn't scare God. Come on, somebody. Your past doesn't scare God. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of what you've been through. He can turn your pain into a purpose. He can can turn your misery into a ministry. He can use you in a powerful way. You You don't disqualify yourself. He has a purpose for your life. I believe that wholeheartedly. Well, you don't know my story, Pastor Ben. I, I've been an addict. Oh, man, that's great. Because there, there's no one else that an addict would rather hear from than somebody who's been through their shoes. They, they want to hear from somebody who's been where they're at. Well, Pastor Ben, God can't use me. I've been divorced. No, no, there's nobody else who could lead a divorce recovery group like you because you've been through their shoes. You know what it's like. Well, no, God can't use somebody like me. I've done too much. I've got a felony. Hey, come on. God, God's not afraid of that. He can use you right where you are. You have a purpose, and I need you to believe that. I want you to believe that. I'm trying to stir your faith today, that you can know God, that he was pierced so you could know him, that he was crushed so that you could 
find freedom. And he was, he was punished with the crown of thorns so that you could have a purpose. But the fourth, the fourth wound is that by his stripes, we're healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Now, he's talking about the 39 lashes that Jesus took on his back. The, the, I believe, I want you to know, at, at City Hope Church, we're a church that believes in supernatural healing. We believe the whole Bible front to back, like, like cover to cover. If God ever did any, anything for anyone, he can do it for you. If he did it at any time, he can do it now. We, we believe that. We believe in supernatural healing. But see, I don't, think, I don't think this is just referring to your physical healing. Praise God that he heals your diseases. Praise God that he heals you from your, your infirmities and your sicknesses. I don't think it's just about being healed from your disease. I think it's about being healed from every dis-ease. Uh, that's good right there. Because some of y'all got dis-ease in your life. So, some of you are diseased in your family. Some of you are diseased in your mind. Some of you are diseased at your job. Some of you are diseased in your marriage. Some of you are diseased in your parenting. Some of you are diseased in di different places of your life. And he came to bring healing in every part of, that, of your life. Every part. But he didn't come to just heal you so you could feel good about yourself. He, he didn't heal you. He didn't send his son Jesus to die on the cross so you could... You could feel nice, and you could get healed, and you could feel good, and you could live your life and just, you know, right on into the sunset. Here's what I truly believe, that he healed you so that you would then go heal somebody else. That, that he healed you, and I'm telling you, there is no greater satisfaction in this life than when you are living your life making a difference for other people. There's, listen, there's no, greater, there's no greater joy than when you are making a difference in somebody else's life. For years, I've heard, uh, I've heard it said, hurting people hurt people. Have you heard that before? Hurting people hurt people. Well, if that's true, then I must also believe that healed people heal people. They heal people. If hurting people hurt people, then healed people must heal people. And the, the whole reason that Jesus died on the cross to heal us, to heal every area of our dis-ease was so that we could go and heal somebody else. See, the word healed means to mend or to cure. And I believe that Jesus is healing us so that we can heal others. He's mending us so that we can mend others. He's curing us so that we can cure others. He's making us whole so that we can make other people whole. And I just want to try to illustrate this for you. Um, it, it, it happened this week, um, uh, Thursday, Friday, Good Friday, after Garrett's baseball game, we went to Chick-fil-A, we went up to Chick-fil-A, and, uh, and we walked in, and uh, the first person that I met says, hey, are you a pastor? Uh, they work there, and hey, are you a pastor? And I was like, it depends, uh, <laughs> I might be, maybe, but and that's all she said. That was, our, that was the extent of our conversation. Yes, I'm a pastor. And I could tell that she wanted to say something else, but um, she was hesitant. She was running the register. And so um, I thought, well, that was just kind of strange. I wonder, I wonder why she asked. Well, she happened to be the one to bring our food to us. And so I asked her. I said, hey, do you, do you mind telling me why you were asking if, if I'm a pastor? 
And her response was life-changing. Her response is, is what I'm talking about here. She said, well, um, I'm broke, and I don't have any money. And I was praying yesterday about I needed food, and I didn't have anywhere to eat. I didn't have any food, and I was praying, asking God to show up. And I came across your church giving away hamburgers at the corner of Southwest Parkway in Kent. Come on. And what? And she said, God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. Come on, somebody. We were healed so that we can heal other people. We were healed. She was just in the last service sitting right back here. She said, I don't even know how I showed up here today. People, people knew who she was. And they just be, they begin to become the church to her. They begin to do what we're supposed to do. Lead a life of making a difference and healing other people. What if we just said, you know what? Let, let all these people fend for themselves. That's not the heart of Jesus. He's called us to heal other people, to be a healing agent, to make a difference. And so that's what we do, one person at a time, one person at a time. So how do I do that? What I'm trying to do is stir up your faith, okay? I'm trying to stir you up to want what I'm talking about, to want to know God, to want to find freedom. Can I just tell you, there's nothing like finding freedom in your life. Oh, can I, can I just try to stir you up to discover why? What's your gift? Why did God put you on this earth so that you could make a difference? And so you say, well, how do you do it, Pastor Ben? How do, you, how do you live that kind of life? I want that life. How do you live it? Okay. I'm going to give you three words, seven letters. It's, it's simple, but it ain't easy. It'll cost you everything. Okay. But if you want to live the life that Jesus died to give you, you just have to go all in. It's an all in kind of attitude. Well, I tried that before, Pastor Ben. I've tried church. I've tried Christianity. And I would lovingly respond by saying, but, but you tried it. Trying and going all in is not the same thing. See, see it didn't work like you had hoped it would work because you, you tried it. You dabbled in it. You taste tested it. And you didn't, it, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work like you thought it was going to because you've got to go all in. Paul said it this way. He said, all I want is to know Christ. And a lot of you know Christ. You know about Jesus. You know God. But the, the, the difference is you haven't experienced the power of his resurrection. You know about God. You know Jesus. Maybe you even have a, maybe you're even, maybe you have a relationship with God. You love him. You serve in him. But you haven't experienced the power of his resurrection. You haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to do the things that he's called you to do. And so you've got to go all in. I've tried it. It didn't work, Pastor Ben. Well, here's what, here's what God would say to you today. He would say, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. So the opposite must be true, that if you don't look wholeheartedly, you're not going to find him. In, in Proverbs, it says that you've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust, trust him with everything, with all. Go all in. Don't lean on your own understanding, because if you do that, it's not going to work. 
In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, Jesus is not interested in just being part of your life. He doesn't want to just be something that you've got going on. He doesn't want to just be on your list. Jesus wants to be at the top of your list. He wants an all-in relationship with you. He died on the cross to give you an incredible life. He gave you his life, and in return, he just expects and wants our life in return. He wants us to go all in. And so you, you say, well, how, how do I do that, Pastor Ben? How, how do I go all in? How do I do this? And I, w- I would say that it's, that the best way that I could tell you to go all in is what I call the one-year challenge. The one-year challenge. Some, some of you have taken this challenge from me before. You've done this before. And I want to I give you an opportunity to do that now. You see, all of us are on a journey. Everyone in this room today, wherever, wherever you are in life, you're on a journey to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, to make a difference. Some of you, you haven't taken that first step yet. Some of you, you know God, but you can't experience the rest of what God has for you until you, until you find freedom. You, you can't discover your purpose until you've found freedom. Some of you, you're ready to make a difference, but you don't know why you're here yet. You're on a journey. And so I want to invite you to join that journey at City Hope Church. You may have another church that you go to. And so what I'm about to tell you, if you'll do what I'm about to tell you at your church, it'll work there too. Okay? But here's the one-year challenge. That you would give God a year of your life. Go all in for a year. Don't, don't just try it. Go all in. What does that mean? That means I'm at church every time the doors are open. Right? I'm going to make this a priority in my life. I'm going to begin to develop my, my walk with the Lord. I can't just say yes to Jesus and, uh, without developing a relationship with, with Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go all in. I'm going to get baptized. Two weeks from today, we're doing baptism. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going all in. I'm going to go to the growth track. And I'm going to begin discovering my purpose, the spiritual gifts that God's put in my heart. And I'm going to get in a small group. And I'm going to take off the mask. And I'm going to share with people for the first time in my life things that I've struggled with that nobody else knows about. I can't do that, Pastor Ben. Listen, when you do that, you're going to be surprised at the response. You think everybody's going to go, I can't believe you. But when you finally take off the mask, what you're going to get is... Me too. I've been there. I know what you're going through. Let me tell you how God changed my life. It's going to be filled with grace. Going all in means that that I'm going to start serving other people. I'm I'm going to go to First Saturday Servant. I'm going to use my gifts to make a difference in other people's life. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to live for me only. That's what it means to go all in. And so here's my challenge. Give God a year of your life. And I promise you, you go all in for one year. I promise you, 365 days from today, you will look back and you will say, I don't even know who that person is anymore. Come on, if you believe that, if you've experienced that, come on, let's give God thanks. Knowing, I believe it's true. I believe it's true. And so this is the part of the service where I would normally ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, but I'm going to do it a little bit different today. And I want to ask you to, Reach down and grab your worship guide, okay? 
when you came in you were you received that bulletin looking thing it's a worship guide i want you to take that out and find the spiritual survey in there the easter survey i want you to grab that even if you're hey even if you're a rebel and you're like i'm not going to do this i want you to just pretend okay you just pretend but i really do want all of you to participate dream teamers grab your pen grab grab that survey and right on the front, there's a place that has four letters, A, B, C, or D. And you are one of those letters. Like it or not, you're one of those letters. I'm going to tell you what those letters mean. And after I tell you what they mean, I want you to check where you're at on this spiritual journey. Okay? All right. Letter A is I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. I'm already there. I have the life-giving relationship you're talking about, Pastor Ben. I'm, 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 I'm passionately in love with Jesus. Keep, keep growing your faith. Keep going. B is today I'm beginning a relationship with Jesus today. Today I'm going all in, Pastor Ben. Today I'm taking the one-year challenge. Today I'm, it's go time. I'm going all in. This is my moment. Easter 2022 is my moment. Uh, C is I'd like to consider it a bit first. So I'm not ready. Ben, I'm not, I'm not ready to do this. Um, I enjoy coming here. There's something different about this church, but I'm not ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And if that's you, I would just, I would just lovingly tell you, you are welcome at this church. You are welcome here. You are, you, let me tell you, you belong here before you believe. Okay, you're welcome in this place. Keep coming back. Keep learning. Keep developing relationships with people. You're welcome here. Maybe you just need time to consider. All right? And then D is, I don't ever intend on making that decision. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this decision. And if that's you, we're going to pray for you. I, I want you to know that. We'll pray for you. The first year of our church, first Easter, somebody said, I'm a D at our first Easter. I don't ever intend to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And then two weeks later, they gave their life to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, there's power. There's power. When you go all in, God gives you the power to do things you never thought you could do. He gives you the power to find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. So I want you to take a minute, just take a couple seconds, and, and let me know which one you are. And then keep it close, because we're going to put that in the offering container in just a moment. So just... Just check the box, which one you are there. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this is for all of you, by the way, you're not alone. If you checked B today, you are joining 71 other people who have already made a decision this weekend to follow Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. It's incredible. So I'm proud of you. I want to say, I want to lead you in this prayer for everybody who's saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm beginning today. I'm going all in. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, I'm going all in. Thank you for the cross. Thank you. For the life that you died to give me. I receive it now. I want to know you. I want to get freedom from my past. Purpose for my life. And begin healing in 
making a difference in others. From this day forward, I choose to follow you and serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's give God praise for salvation. Hey, come on, let's congratulate every person that just prayed that prayer. Awesome. Hey, I want you to know that as a church, if you just made that decision for Jesus, you were far from God. You said, I'm going all in. I want you to know that as a church that we're behind you and we're so proud of you, but also that God is so very proud of you. And also, I just want to reiterate on that card, if you made that decision today, please let us know by selecting the letter B because we want to be able to celebrate what God is doing in your life, but also we want to be able to pray for you and we want to be able to help you take your next steps because we believe that there's always a next step for every person. No matter how far along we are in our faith, there's always another step. And so we want to help you with next steps. And so we put together this resource. It's called a next steps box. And inside of it are resources that'll help you know some some initial steps that you can begin taking um, right now as you've just begun your relationship with God. You've just decided you're going all in. This will help you know some immediate steps you can begin taking to begin growing in your relationship with Jesus and to, to, to fulfill the life that God has for you to live. And so the way that you get that box is as you exit today on your right-hand side, we have a next steps table in the lobby. And if you'll just stop at that table, tell the team member you'd like one of those boxes, we'll get that to you totally free of charge. Please uh, pick one of those up as you leave today. And also, if you're a guest with us today, um, we have a gift for you at the welcome home table. So please stop by the welcome home table on your way out the door. Let us get that gift to you. So we're going to move to the part of the service where we worship the Lord in our giving. And um, I just want to say that if you're a guest with us today, there's absolutely no pressure on you to give anything. We don't expect you to give anything at all. This service is our gift to you. This is really just for the people that uh, call City Hope their home. Um, We never ask that you give anything, just that you talk to the Lord about what he'd have you to do. And then you just be obedient to what God lays on your heart, what he leads you to do. But I do want to celebrate that this has been love week over the past week. And we've been able to really make a difference in our community. And I just want to celebrate that we were able to feed 876 teachers breakfast this week. Gave out over a thousand hamburger meals in our community. 175 gift boxes gone to businesses and also served uh, first responders. And that is your giving, your generosity at work. So thank you for your generosity and know that it's making a difference. We like to say when you give to City Hope, you're not giving to a church, you're giving through a church because we're not hoarding it up. We're making a difference with it outside of the walls. So know that you're making a difference. I'm going to get ready to pray over our time together. And then when I say amen, you'll see our prayer team up front. And during this last song, if you need prayer for anything at all, please make your way down to one of them. They'll be happy to pray with you. Let's go ahead and pray together now. God, thank you for the service. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you today. Thank you for those who said they were going all in. God, I ask that you bless them. Bless every person, every family. God, let us leave this place changed. God, we'll never be the same because of your presence. We worship you. We praise you. We say this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's stand together and worship one more time.
Easter. Prayer is available up front. Go with God because God is going with you.
my head. 